Everybody good? So good to see you guys. I'm glad you've joined us. Um, we're going to jump right in this morning. We are in a series. Uh, say this with me, Balo, Balo, uh, which means to cast. It's uh, the invitation. So um, we're going to look at a particular invitation this morning. But before we do, um, I, I, want you to, I want you to hear from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 5. And this will frame the message today. I want you to hear these words and I invite you to lean into God's word as we read together. It says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. This is Paul's words to his understudy, Timothy. So often in the modern church, when we talk about following Jesus, or what it means to be a Christian, we tend to talk about it in a sort of watered-down, sanitized, whitewashed kind of way. Do we not? For most of us, you know, being a Christian is safe. It's safe. It doesn't require a lot from us, with the exception of the hour that we spend in, in a church building on a Sunday morning. This is not what the early Christians experienced at all as they struggled to follow Jesus in a world that hated them. Hated Jesus too, of course. What we've done is, is, is we've allowed the hard, rocky, narrow road of following Jesus to be smoothed out by culture. To be graded. Make it a little bit easier, more palatable for us. Cultural Christianity is a disease that we must contend with, amen? The message of Christ is one that most people reject. Following Jesus is hard. And oftentimes it's not an easy thing to ponder. And this morning, friends, I do not want to be guilty of telling you what you want to hear. because I'm going to stand before God Almighty one day and he's going to ask me, did you preach the gospel? And I want to say, and I'm going to say yes, emphatically yes. So we are in a series, week three of a series called Balo, um, the invitation. The Greek word Balo means to cast, uh, as if you were casting a net. Uh, this series is about intentionally casting an invitation to everyone around us. So what are we casting? We are casting the best invitation the world has ever known. Jesus, the gospel, the good news that while we were dead in our sin, Christ came and died for each and every one of us. See, we're looking at five invitations as we move through the series. The first one was come and see. 
Come and see. This was Jesus' invitation to the first disciples. Come and see. Come and see. Even before that, actually. And then, of course, he says, follow me. Follow me. So today we're going to look at the third invitation, which is come fishing. Come fishing. Let's go fishing. Um, I want to apologize up front. Um, um, I'm not rolling out any food today. No breadsticks. Shannon set that bar so darn high. It is, it is what it is. I thought about ordering some fried catfish, but, you know, we'd be smelling that till August in here. Just kidding. Roll out the sardines. Bring the sardines out. Sardines for everybody. Sorry. This is Shannon's idea. So I guess I would say um, you're welcome. No fried catfish today. I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Very familiar passage. Um, if you grew up in church, you read it as a, as a small child. But we want to dive a little deeper this morning and maybe glean some things that we uh, haven't seen before or noticed before. Verse 18, Matthew chapter 4. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into, a, into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee. Imagine your name being Zebedee. Are there any Zebedees in here? I was going to bring you down and just congratulate you for an awesome name. They were preparing their nets when Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus calls the first disciples. This is, this is the account we have, and it's, it's recorded throughout the Gospels, not just in Matthew. As most of you know, several of Jesus' followers were fishermen by trade. Philip, Andrew, Peter, who were bro- Peter, Andrew and Peter, who were brothers, James and John, who were brothers, all fishermen. So this third invitation to come fishing was a familiar one, it, 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 but it was, it was different. It was really a call to lay everything down, including their jobs, families, all of it, and commit their whole lives to Jesus in this brand new way, to leave it all. How does my Christianity, my version of Christianity, stack up against that? So Jesus offers this invitation to these fishermen. He he, he used what they knew, which Jesus often did, to reach them to cut to the heart of who they were. And so he, 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 he sends out this invitation and he, he challenges them, that's the right word, to leave everything behind and take up a new life that Jesus was calling to. He says, if you will follow me, then I will make you fishers of people. Some versions say fishers of men, but that's, that's just short for all people, all men, all people. When Jesus called those first disciples to a new life, 
The fishing would have taken place in various places, synagogue, in homes, on the seashore, and everywhere in between. They were casting the net of the gospel to the rich, to the poor, to the healthy, to the sick, to good people, and the worst people imaginable. The invitation went out to all. Some of my fondest memories, you guys, um, growing up, were spent on the bank of the lake that I grew up on behind my house. I didn't have, man, I didn't have all these fancy lures like they have now, man. I didn't have jigs and rooster tails and poppers and spinners and divers and shads and all that stuff. You know what I fished 80% of my fishing time? Using one of these. It's all I needed. That and a little lead weight that you had to use pliers to like squeeze around the clamp down around the, the string. Here it is. Caught 80% of the fish I've ever caught in my life with something like this. It's not fancy. It's real simple. Real simple. Some of my greatest memories are spent, were spent standing on a dock or, or a bank of, of that lake. You use a worm, a little lead weight. It's pretty much all I needed. That's the gospel, isn't it? It's not complicated. We try to overthink it. We try to add to it. We try to make it about us. It's a simple message. And here's what Jesus did. Here's how much he loves you. Now turn from yourself and follow him. In so many words. And guess what? He's worth it. You know, I don't claim to be an expert fisherman. I don't. But I've fished a lot. I've done a lot of fishing. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to be an effective evangelist, soul winner. You just need a, to be a person who's been saved by the grace of God, trusting in Christ, turning from their sin, and do what Jesus did. So how does one become fishers of people? How does one become a fisher of people? Number one, you have to lay everything down. Everything. When Jesus said, follow me to those first disciples, he wasn't just talking about responding to a call to physically walk around with Jesus. Just, yes, that's true, because it was an apprenticeship, so to speak. But see, following Jesus is about absolute, complete surrender of oneself. There's no middle ground, none. See, we've made following Jesus a casual affair. We've become so flipped in today's culture. Hey, do you want to follow me? I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess so. Maybe so. I mean, I can if you want. I can follow you, sure. But hey, you know, it's, it's really up to you. I don't, want to, I don't want to cramp your style. I don't want to mess up your lifestyle thing you got going. I, I just, if, it, if it offends or inconveniences you, then just stay back. It's all good. That's not what Jesus said. No, he said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must take up his cross. He must lay his own life down. He must deny themselves. He must leave the old life behind and take up a new life. This convicts me to the core because this is not me most days. 
talking about you. It's not me. Many of the early disciples lost everything to follow Jesus, including their own lives. Every single one of the, of the first disciples, except for one, lost their life early because of the gospel. They died an early death and very painful deaths. All of them, except for one, John, who died an old man in exile on an island for God's will and his purpose. Now, yes, they left their nets on the shore here in Matthew chapter 4, but they didn't leave them permanently. I want you to know that. They didn't quit their jobs permanently. See, they would, they would come back to those nets. They would pick them up, and they would, they would work their trade. They didn't quit their day jobs. Now, God isn't always calling you to step away from a, a job and go live in a mud hut on a different continent. But what he is calling you to do is lay it all down. And if God calls you to pick it back up, then so be it. But he's asking to lay it all down, every part of it. God, if you want to take it away permanently, that's your business. How often do we get to that point where we can actually say, God, I lay it down. If you don't want me to pick it back up, it's totally up to you. Not often, not in my life. See, they still fished for fish, right? They made a living. God's good like that, right? He, he, sometimes he, oftentimes, most of the time, he allows you to do the things that you're good at, but then when you start to follow Jesus, he, you do them in a different way. You fish for fish, but you also fish for people. So laying everything down is the first way that we become fishers of people. The second way is to watch and learn. Watch and learn. This is the apprenticeship side of following Jesus. When Jesus called those first disciples, he called them to an apprenticeship, right? In that day, uh, um, uh, a rabbis had, had, had little, little followers following them around, and usually the rabbi, uh, the, 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 the person, the apprentice, or the understudy would, would choose the rabbi to go and follow. Well, he's smart, he's talented, he's charismatic. I'm gonna follow him around and learn from him. Not this way. Jesus flipped this around. Jesus chose his understudies. And they did follow him around. There's an element of discipleship that requires watching the master, listening to his words, and imitating what they see, right? My dad and my grandfathers all had a hand in teaching me how to fish. I remember, I will always remember watching them bait a hook. They teach me how to cast, how to set a hook at just that right moment when you feel that tug. Not too quickly, not too soon. Wait, wait, wait. And at the right time, set that hook. I'll never forget that stuff. It's, it's ingrained in me. How not to panic. When you're reeling that sucker in, don't panic. Don't panic. And of course, how to get that hook out without just tearing that fish up, right? All that stuff is ingrained in me. I watched, I listened, I learned, and I imitated. 
So watch and learn. This is, this is part of the discipleship process. Look at Jesus' words. Take them in. Do what he did. Take them to heart. Learning to fish requires preparation. You prepare your heart and your mind with Scripture. It requires imitation. you got to do what Jesus did, and it requires repetition. Do it over and over and over again. Share the gospel over and over and over again. Thirdly, you got to cast the net. you got to cast the net. you got to let it loose. So what are you casting? You're casting the gospel. Do you have a plan? Do I have a plan to cast the net of the gospel in my workplace? I work at a church, so you look, that's what you do. But what if I'm, what, when I, what if, what about when I'm not preaching? What about when I'm not in this building? Do I turn off the pastor in me and just stop casting the net of the gospel? When's the last time I shared the gospel with a complete stranger who didn't show up at my church or my youth group? When's the last time I did that? Not because I felt like it was necessary and it was, it was what the right thing to do. No, because I am called to it. Because I have been called out of darkness into his glorious light. I have laid everything down for the cause of Christ. When's the last time I was compelled to share the gospel with people in my life that I know that are lost? I know right this second they are without hope. What am I casting? I'm casting the best news ever. Do you, friends, love others around you enough to cast the net of the gospel their way so that they can be saved? Do you love them enough to do so? Do I love them enough? I will say, you know, we aren't really following Jesus. We can't really say we're following Jesus if we aren't actively trying to win souls. I I, I would say that. I would say I can't call myself a Christ follower if I'm not trying to, to, to share what God's done in my own life. At at the very least, what God has done. And that hurts me to the core. That hurts me to the core. Because I confess to you, this convicts me to no end. When I look at my life, my daily schedule, the structure of my day, I can say without a doubt that I will neglect or forget to be a soul winner in my daily life. I will neglect to share the gospel. This doesn't count. I don't get a pass. We don't get a pass right here. This doesn't count as cast the net, cast the net. Lastly, go where the fish are. Go where the fish are. Evangelism does not happen solely within the walls of a church building. Most people wrongly assume that it's the pastor's job to fish for people, to evangelize the world, and, and you all are cheerleaders. Actually, it's my job individually in my own life to, went to, to cast a net, but it's my job and it's our job to help equip you to do the same. Discipleship. Discipleship. We got to go where the fish are. Well, where are they? They're everywhere. They're everywhere. At work, at school, social settings, in your home, in your own home. The vast majority of us sitting in this room have people who have not yet responded to the gospel in our own home. 
parents are we casting the net for our own children? Are we casting the net? You might say, well, I don't know how. I don't know how. If you've encountered the love and the grace of Christ in your own life, the saving grace of Christ, and you've been made new, you've been transformed the gospel, then you have all you need. You've got all you need. You've got all you need. You're let, we are letting the enemy whisper in our ear, we are not adequate. We don't have the words. We're not equipped to do so. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. Amen? Turn with me to John chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. This passage I call the catch. This is the aftermath of casting the net. It says, afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Debedee, and two other disciples were all together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got in the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. This miracle in John 21 is a parabolic example of the kind of fishing he was calling them to. What that means is, is Jesus used stories and parables and things in real life, in real time, to, to preach a greater truth. Fishing being one of them. Says they were on this great fishing expedition, but he wanted them to reap a great harvest, not just a fish, but eternal souls. He was setting it up. This is a preview into God's great redemption plan for humanity. The invitation, friends, to follow Jesus has be, and to become fishers of people is about being transformed. It is not just listening to the words of Jesus going, that's a great thought for today. It's not even just trying to imitate Jesus. You cannot imitate Christ if you have not been transformed by Christ. You cannot. I cannot. In my best effort, I am lost and without hope if I have not given my life over to Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I have been transformed I've become a new creation. If I am not a new creation, I cannot hope to, to, to invest my life in casting a net. I have, number one, I have no desire to do so in my humanness. In my flesh, I have no desire to cast a net. I desire what? To take care of me. I, I desire to take care of me, my need. I could care less about someone else. If I have not been transformed with the gospel, my, I'm all about me. But what happens is, folks, when the, the grace of God enters our lives and we respond, we become a new creation, then our eyes are open to the needs of the world. Our eyes are open to the needs of our own family. Our eyes are open and we are heartbroken over what we see. Friends, if I am not daily heartbroken at the world that I look at, 
in my home, in my school, at work, on social media, and I'm not willing to do anything about it, then I cannot rightly call myself a Christ follower. This is true discipleship, to lay my life down, to take up the cross. To follow Jesus means to give up your own way, leaving everything behind for the sake of the kingdom. I told you earlier, I don't claim to be an expert fisherman, but I have fished a lot in my life, a lot, especially as a boy. And so in order to be a productive fisherman, I need to go fishing a lot. I need to live and learn a little bit. I need to, I need to stumble a little bit while sharing the gospel. It's just natural. I just need to do it. I just need to get over myself and my fear and do it. We jump out of airplanes, but we don't preach the gospel. We get in a, in a, in a massive 757 and go across the ocean. Knowing that thing might drop out of the sky. We got faith, but we will not lift, uh, let go of our own ego, our own fear to preach the gospel with someone in, in our life that desperately needs it, that we love. You just gotta go fishing a lot. This is the Great Commission. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to, to be a soul winner. You just don't. You don't. God will take whatever you've got currently, and he'll change the entire world. He'll change Lowndes County. Is that not what we want? We want revival here. We want revival here, not just in this building. We want revival down the street to the edge of the county. We want it. We want that. And it will happen if we become soul winners. If we cast the net and with whatever God has given us, the gospel, we will see Lowndes County change. We will see people in droves just like that catch in John 21. We'll see it happen. We won't be able to reel them in. We've got them. All we have to do is go get over ourselves and share the gospel. So what does truly following Jesus mean? What does it mean to fish for people? Well, why do I follow Jesus at all? Why do I follow Jesus at all? Why do I invite others to encounter him? Because I understand the worth of Jesus and all that it offers. I understand it. I understand on some level that he is worth it all. Amen? The infinite worth of Christ. He's worth following. He's worth laying our lives down for. Fishing like prayer is more practice than theory. It's more practice than theory. Just do it. But this is not about just what we do. Following Jesus is about becoming a new creation. Before we can ever fish for people, we need to be caught in the net ourselves. And here's the other part of this invitation. The invitation is not simply just to go fishing. Some of us in this room right this second have no idea what that means because you have never been caught in the net yourself. Being caught in the net does not mean I attended church my whole life. Being caught in the net doesn't mean I can, I can quote John 3.16, Philippians 4.13. Being caught in the net is that at some point I realized I was lost and without hope, dead in my sin, and Christ, but Christ, went to a cross for me, 
took my place, died in my place, but did not stay dead, amen? That is worth laying um, our lives down for. I cannot honestly call myself a Christ follower if I'm not casting a net of his love and grace towards people. Do I have a heart for people who don't know Jesus? That's the question. This is a call to return to biblical Christianity. If we've been transformed by the gospel, we have good news to share. Will you die to yourself this morning? How will you respond to this invitation? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you help us overcome any kind of fear we might have of sharing the gospel. That you are here in this moment to do a work in us. I pray for those in this room that do not know you, that you will not allow them to put their head on the pillow tonight until they run to you, full abandoned, full on, to let go of dignity, fear, any anxiety or concern they have, God, that they would run headlong to you. Father, I'm, I'm sorry for not casting the net of the gospel to the people in my lives that I love. I'm sorry, Lord. I confess, we confess that to you right now. We confess that we haven't loved others enough and loved you enough to make the gospel first place in our lives. Father, I pray in this moment that we would respond to you. That we wouldn't just, we'd stop complicating this thing. We would return to a simple gospel. God loved this world so much that he gave his own life. Whoever believes in him will not die, but have eternal life. Father, as we respond in worship, God, do a new thing in us. Make us new. If we were saved when we were eight years old, God, renew that fire. Take that little, that little flame that's, that's flickered down to a little spark and reignite us with the gospel. If there are those in here, God, that do not know you, I pray that they would not be able to leave this place until they get to their knees and receive you as their Savior. And Father, I pray for the rest of us, all of us in here, that we would repent of being a cultural Christian, a Christian when it's only convenient for us to lay our lives down for the sake of something greater than us. The gospel, there is nothing greater than that. We love you so much as we respond in worship. God, Holy Spirit, do what you what you, you and you alone can do. We pray these things in your name. Amen.